The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm delighted today to welcome to the show Dr. Meg Blackburn-Losey, who is an international best-selling author of books like The Parenting of Children of Now, The Children of Now, Conversations with the Children of Now, and Pyramids of Light. And today we are going to talk about the children and parenting the children. Dr. Meg, welcome to the show. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me on. I know you're a very busy lady, so thank you so much for giving us your time today. And one it's of my, my favorite topics is the children of now. So talk a little bit about those children and, and your first book about them. Sure. You know... I noticed over, I had a pr- couple of private practices in different places over the years, and what I started to realize was that there was definitely a vast difference in the way that the children were communicating, the way that the kind of problems they were having, the, the way that um, they seemed to know things, remember things that are beyond this world and this reality. And I started to notice that there were a lot of trends in the in, in different types of trends in the way the children were, you know, having these experiences. And as time went on, I started to realize that there were actually several different kind of subsets of kids. But I do want to start out by saying that I'm I'm not at all into labeling anybody's child. I only use these terms for communicative purposes because um, labels are a really bad thing. <laughs> you know, um, everybody wants to belong and everybody wants to fit, and, and people really look for these labels, and, and it's too defining because... You know, not even the, not just the children, but we as well are, are infinite creatures, and and I don't think that labels are appropriate. So anyway, that being said, um, what I noticed was, well, first of all, you know, a lot of people have heard about the indigo children. They're they're all in their you know mid to late twenties and even into their thirties now, and they were the first really noticeable group of of children that came in that that were different than everybody, you know, as far as how they saw the world, how they reacted to the world. And they were what we call, you know, paradigm busters. They they didn't like rules that were made for the convenience of other people, and they would stand up and say, no, I'm not doing this. And, you know, they were taken really wrong at first because they were just, you know, treated as as 
insubordinate, <laughs> you know, but basically they're wonderful people. They've, they've grown into beautiful adults. They're very artful people. They're very um, creative people. They're very astute, uh, astute people, you know, very, very aware of what's going on around them and, and how they can contribute to it. Um, after that came a group that I, I've called the transitional kids, and there are still some of them out there. These kids have had the hardest time and um, have my greatest heart, I think, as far as they really need help. Um, they're kids that are very sensitive intuitively or they just see things or know things, um, and nobody really understood that yet. And so they started to internalize a lot. And what happens with a lot of the transitional kids is that they started to get into self-destructive behaviors, drugs, alcohol, uh, you know, even even self-destruction like cutting themselves or even suicide. I, I've actually, unfortunately, been aware of a lot of that as well. And um, uh, on the flip side, some of them will create a fantasy world, you know, an inner fantasy world, and then act them out like the young fellow that shot all the students and teachers at Virginia Tech. Um, so the main thing with them is they need to be learn how to come out of themselves, you know, to get into the real world and be heard and feel safe about it. Um, after that came three different wonderful sets of kids, um, and they're still coming in. Um, the the crystalline children, the star kids, and then what I call the beautiful silent ones. The crystalline kids and the star kids share a lot of similar traits, um, but not identical traits. Um, they're very sensitive. They they have an, a natural ability to work with energy. They they they're sentient. They feel with their entire bodies, not just with their five senses. They literally feel and know everything around them. And because of that, they don't sit still very well. They're all over the place. They think holographically, not in a straight line, linear type thinking. And so. They don't seem to be focused or paying attention, and they're being diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, you know, um, bipolar even, and um, and several other things. And they're getting a lot of these kids are having um, being made to take drugs to quiet them down. And in fact, people, are, you know, that's not what's going on with them. Because if you'd stop at the end of the day and you'd say, you know, what happened today in your life? They could tell you everything that everybody felt. They didn't miss anything. It just wasn't important to them to stop and, and make a big deal out of it, you know. So um, they they're they're very misunderstood. Um, this the, and the the crystalline kids are very socially conscious. They're they're very heart centered beings that are all about um, teaching humanity, all about love again, about being you know kind human beings because they know that we've forgotten how to do that with each other. Um, the on the flip side, the star kids have a tendency to be very technologically oriented, very earth oriented, and um, they they worry about what we're doing to our planet. And they they start very young, looking for ways to create better ways to do things, cleaner uh, you know cleaner ways, cleaner technologies. And I think it's a perfect marriage, Peter, because when the crystallines and the star kids grow up and they're running this world. What a beautiful thing to have one group of people that's going to be so conscious about social things and, and fairness to people in general. You know, and then another group of, of, of people who are very all about the earth and the technologies to, 
you know, to improve how we live on it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's a perfect marriage uh, match made in heaven. Um, and the one other group that it, it has stolen my heart, hook, line, and sinker, are what I call the beautiful silent ones. And they are they are in their mid-teens now, most of them, and they can't speak or don't speak for different reasons. They have different um, physical uh, problems and are often profoundly disabled, and yet they're extremely telepathic. They, um, they just emit love. They radiate love. And um, being around them, people experience a lot of different things. I have one little friend, Lauren, who um, several people that got around her just quit smoking. <laughs> didn't mean to, didn't plan to, but just stopped um, after being around her. It's very interesting. Um, the, the different kids, different things happen, you know. So that's kind of a synopsis. That was a very quick and very uh, very good uh, detailed one, actually. So <laughs> with the silent ones, when, when you talk about them communicating telepathically, how, how do the people around them prepare themselves to receive that telepathic communication? Well, it usually happens accidentally, <laughs> you know, because the harder people try to hear them, the less likely they're going to, because they're basically, when they try, they're closing off the channels. So it's, it's about being open, first of all, and aware that the possibility exists, and secondly, just being open to the fact that, um, you know, you, you want to hear them, but, but not focusing on how that works, because consciousness, you know, it's unlimited. It's not stuck in the body. It's not stuck in this time or this place. And consciousness can travel and, and take its messages anywhere. And, you know, basically that's how telepathy works. So the, the thing to do is, is to be out of our heads with stuff and, and open to the, first of all, like I say, the possibility, and second of all, to having it happen. So... So why are these why are these children coming in now at this particular time in history? What what, what is the reason for their their being here now? Well, I you know that's a good question, and I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that our world is moving really fast. We've become very desensitized. There's a lot of a lot of conflict that doesn't even make sense, you know, in our world. And we've forgotten how to treat each other. We've gotten to think that we're very isolated. Um, we don't think of the effects of what we do on other people and vice versa. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of desensitization right now. And I think it's a perfect time for very loving children to come into the world and say, hey, people, you know, wake up. <laughs> I think it's an absolutely perfect time for this to happen. And And, you know, the truth is... It's an evolution of human consciousness. People like you, people like me, people like, you know, those who are listening now, we're the ones that made that possible. We stepped into who we are and we said, okay, there are other possibilities in this world. There are other choices on how I can see this world. And because we opened up, we made it easy for this new generation of children to come in. So I kind of call us the bridge generation. Well, I'm very happy to be part of that group, I can tell you. Me too. So, we're almost coming up to our first break now, but just begin to tell us, and we can carry on after the break. How can we best support these children? Tell them the truth. Um, we tend to lie to our kids because it's easier than sitting down and explaining things, you know. And the, the other big thing is to listen to them, 
They need to be heard. They have a lot to say. And thirdly, honor them for who they are. Don't put them on a pedestal and don't tell them it's not real. If they tell you they remember where where they came from or if they tell you they remember their past lives, listen to them and let them be who they are as a normal occurrence rather than an oddity. Because that's one of the issues, isn't it? It's very easy when you hear some remarkable information coming out of this little child uh, Uh to to either uh, put them on a pedestal or to deny their truth. That's right. That's right. And what happens is both of those things, you know, one of them is people put them on a pedestal because they, they think they're so special and then the kids don't get the discipline they need or anything else and they turn into little monsters out, you know, in public. They start running the show everywhere they go. Or, you know, conversely, people say, oh, well, that's not real. You're not seeing angels. You're not talking to your dead grandmother or whatever. And, and in fact, they are. You know, and so they become, they get a really low self-esteem and and then close off their giftedness because um, it's too different, you know what I'm saying? So um, it could go either way. Yeah. So, Dr. Meg, we're coming to our first break, and so we'll talk a little bit more about the children after the break and <coughs> about parenting the children. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tong left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at PeterTongue.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. What's it like? What's it like? It's lonely. It's really lonely. I miss my brother. I miss my brother. I'm surrounded by other people, but it's not the same. I've got other people around me, but it's not the same. It's pretty scary, but I don't let it rattle me. It's pretty scary around here, but I don't let it rattle me. You always have to watch your back. There's no one to watch my back. I spend my whole day worried who's out to get me. I'm always wondering who's out to get me. But I can take care of myself. But I can take care of myself. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. It's not like I have a choice. It's not like I have a choice. This will all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. This will all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. 
Go to jail for a gun crime and your family serves a sentence with you. Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Hello and welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Today I have with me Dr. Meg Blackburn-Losey, who... Uh, has written the books The Children of Now and Parenting the Children of Now. And before the break, we were talking about the children and how we can best support them. So, Dr. Meg, tell us a little bit about your insights into the education of these children and what we need to do. Oh, wow. Yeah, we need to change the structure. You know, here's the deal, Peter. <laughs> I, I, you know, at least in the U.S., and, and I'm sure in countries everywhere, um, our school system here is based on a curriculum that's literally over 100 years old. It was developed in a time where people's perceptions and points of view in the world were vitally different than they are now, vastly different. And what we need to do is structure the, the, everything from the ground up around how the children are now. Um, first of all, we need to change the classrooms. You know, we need to change the, how the children are made to learn. Um, I've kind of conceived a bit of what I call a wheel system, and that's because here's the deal. You can't take a child that's as sensitive as the ones that we have in our world now and sit them in a hard desk for hours at a time and that's in a room that's so cluttered with colors and papers and books and posters and, you know, everything. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and expect them to get a whole lot out of the day. So um, what we need to do is have a look at that and look at how, you know, how these children eat. If, if a lot of the parents will tell you that those kids will not sit down and eat a big meal, they eat very often but not a lot at a time. And so, first of all, we need to, you know, make sure that the kids have something like a, you know, mid-morning snack, fruits, nuts, things like that that are that are not too heavy for them but, but nutritious. Um, same thing mid-afternoon. They need snacks, um, you know, after lunch. Not, and, and the lunches they're feeding them are horrid. You know, they're not necessarily all that healthy. Hot dogs and spaghetti and a lot of sodium and a lot of things out of cans. And that's just not very good for them. So their their bodies are very sensitive to what goes into them. Secondly, Hello? the environment. I'm sorry. No, carry. It's okay. Carry on. The the environment in the classrooms is terrible. You know, there are a lot of um, a lot of sharp angles. There are a lot of colors that don't go together. Those institutional colors are not conducive to somebody feeling like they want to learn anything. And um, the furniture is not comfortable and. Um, so what I suggest is putting fronts on the bookshelves, you know, simple things. Get rid of the visual clutter. 
get you know don't put so much junk everywhere on the walls make it a cleaner looking environment use colors that are harmonically re- relative you know um what happens is when people try to dress up classrooms they use a lot of primary colors particularly in the younger grades those are very stimulating to a to a child that's that sensitive and it's hard for any kid to sit in a room where there's lots of yellows and reds and greens and you know um so soften it up and use colors that go together and not that conflict with each other. Um, the children love natural things, plants, animals, fish, anything like that in the room um, is a very uh, soothing thing to the children. And the other thing is the aural input. They are very sound sensitive. So you want to make sure that the sound isn't bouncing all over the rooms. You know, out of necessity, most schools are built with concrete block walls and and. Uh, and terrazzo or some sort of hard floors and the sound bounces around and that's very hard on these kids as well on any kid and so you mentioned um, earlier you mentioned earlier about um the, the kids learning or living in a world which is holographic as opposed to linear so uh-huh. how do we need to change the actual learning environment when they're actually learning material what do we need to do differently there Sure. Well, once you've got the environment straightened out, the next thing to do is to get is to let them learn on their at their own pace. Give them a framework, give them guidance, and give them I hate to use the word, but deadlines. You know, at the end of the day, the end of the week, whatever, and tell them what their assignments are, and then let them because these children don't think in a straight line like well, many of us adults do. They they think in, um, kind of all over the place. So the best way to handle that is to let them get their do their assignments as at their you know as they will and i'm finding that the kids that are able to perform like that of course with some guidelines and of course they have to have consequences if they don't do it but it, it, um what i perceive is a wheel system where they can you know have the materials they need at different stations and then they can um, do their lessons um, in whatever order they want, and that way um, that seeming attention deficit thing won't be such a big deal. Because The other thing is put the kids in charge. Um, they don't like to sit around and be bossed around, but they're darn good at getting things done when they're in charge. So give them direction and let them, you know, uh, let them do what they do best because they're amazing. The other, the other big is, issue is these, these kids all have a passion for something, don't they? And they have to be allowed to follow that. Yeah, they really do. They really do. And um, the other piece that I want to put in there is communication. They have to be able to sit and talk about things and learn problem resolution and be able to talk with and to and about each other in a group setting um, in a way that they learn to be uh, openly communicative, you know, because we teach them to be quiet, listen, and don't talk. And we and we teach them, you know, all of these different things that we learned that don't even serve us now. So, uh, you know, it it really needs to be a much different environment than what they've got, and a, a different, uh, just a different way of going about their days. Now, a lot of these kids are actually not in the school system; they're they're now homeschooled by their parents. What are your feelings about that? <laughs> I think that a lot of parents got desperate for something different, and that was the only solution they could find. Um, what what's happened is some of these kids are so darn sensitive, and nobody and the the curriculum, the schools, don't allow for you know these variances in these children that they just couldn't take it, 
And so their parents pulled them out and started teaching them at home. But what's really nice, though, Peter, is that um, a lot of the homeschooling there in different areas, there are groups that get together to take the homeschooled kids on field trips. Um, they have sports leagues, different things, uh, so that the kids still remain socialized. It's, it's really grown into quite an interesting phenomenon. Um, the other piece of that is that there are there is what I call a grassroots movement coming up. That's um, there are schools popping up all over that are offering a lot of these alternatives, and um, teachers are introducing some of these uh, these ideas into the school system. So I think that we're on a good positive track here. I just think we need more of it. Absolutely. Well, it needs to take over, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So. So let's move on and, and now begin to talk about the, the parenting of the children of now. What, what led you to, to write that book in the first place? <laughs> well, you know, as I worked with these kids over these, and I mean, I've literally worked with I can't even count them anymore, how many there have been. But what I always realized was that it isn't the children that are broken. It's how we teach them and how we see ourselves as adult people. You know, that's what's broken. And so what I wanted to do was introduce a really good set of life skills because our kids are us. You know, subconsciously and consciously, they soak up everything that we throw at them. And they become that. Um, they, they mimic our nuances, you know. They, they handle problems the way we handle problems. And what I realized was that, that most of the adults that I was encountering really didn't have a good set of life skills. Uh, of coping skills, of, of just, you know, self-image, everything. So I just decided that I wanted to talk to the parents, and that's what, how Parenting the Children of Now came about. Because the title of the book, Parenting the Children of Now, is, is a little bit misleading in the sense that you don't talk much about the children. You talk about <laughs> the adults involved with the children. Well, if you're going to be a parent, you've got, you know, you, there are things you need to know. And it isn't about the child, it's about ourselves. You know, and that's the way I see it. If we, if we are good, healthy adults with, you know, we're satisfied with life, we're, we're honest with ourselves, we're honest in our lives, and, you know, we, we've worked through our fears and we're not passing them on to the next generation, we're going to have a whole different set of kids grow out of that. And so, really, it isn't about the children. I didn't say it was about the children. It's about parenting. And if we're going to be good parents, we need to be healthy, happy adults in the process. Absolutely. And it's actually a book that uh, every adult should read because it's all about how we uh, manage our world and how we then reflect our world onto the people around us, whoever we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope I get to do that one day and restructure that so that it can go out to adults in general. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, you just mentioned fear. Uh, how does fear dictate our experiences? Well, what happens is we, we become afraid because we've had experiences we didn't know what to do with or we've been told we should be afraid. And over time, a lot of that fear becomes, you know, hidden in our psyche. It becomes a part of our subconscious. And so we start reacting in the world out of our fears and don't even realize it. And, the, and we react, you know... Um, reflexively to situations because we think 
we need to be in control. We think that, you know, we might get hurt or it might not feel safe somehow or whatever. And so we react reflexively from those hidden fears. And a lot of times we push too hard in situations because we try to make them work because we're afraid that if they don't, something might happen, whatever. And so we make our lives miserable by not being aware of those fears. So one of the things that I advocate is finding out what those are. You know, what are those subconscious things that 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 we operate from that keep us from being comfortable in our own skin because often we're not. So, Dr. May, we've got to go to our second break at this point. Okay. So we'll return and continue talking about this after the break. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure, what's up? Um, there's this girl I kind of like. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's women. Really? Well, they didn't call me velvet for nothing. I don't get it. Smooth. I was smooth. Oh. Anyway, it's easy. You just got to impress her. Show her how strong you are. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? I don't know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt, if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, Ugh! Try it. Ugh! Ugh! <laughs> See? There you go. And you should dress up. Start wearing a shirt and tie. I'll look like a dork. No, you'll look successful. Okay. And finally, you can start using my cologne. <clears throat> the ladies love it, so don't be shy. Splash it on. Thanks, Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To find out how you can adopt, please visit our website at adoptuskids.org or call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Spiritual Workout with host Stephen Morrison helps you go beyond the books, CDs, and the workshops you've gone to to learn spirituality. Stephen will passionately help you see which of 15 universally spiritual concepts apply to your circumstance and how. Now there's a way to help you live it every single day. Work out every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Spiritual Workout with your host, Stephen Morrison, on 7th Wave Network. A practical path to a happier, more peaceful, and richer life experience. walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tong left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at PeterTongue.com. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network.
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Hello and welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tung. And today I'm talking with Dr. Meg Blackburn-Losey about her books, The Children of Now and Parenting the Children of Now. Um, before the break, Dr. Meg, you were talking about the way in which fear dictates our experiences. So perhaps we could expand into that a little bit about, by talking about repeating patterns that most of us live our lives through. Sure. You know, there are two kinds of patterns that we get into in our lives. One of them we inherit from our families, the familial patterns that are passed on from generation to generation. And what I mean by that is um, how we act, how we handle things, uh, you know, um, who we are in any given situation. We learn that from our families. Um, secondly, there are patterns that we develop as kind of self-defense. And I'll just kind of rattle off a few of them. Um, one of them is we become a victim. You know, everybody else's fault, um, nothing's, nothing's our fault because we, we don't see ourselves that way. We, we feel like everybody else does it. And that's just how we make ourselves feel okay. Um, some people become bullies. They're, they always have to be right. They're very pushy about getting their way and that kind of thing. When in truth, they're very much a marshmallow inside. Um, another one is, is one that always gives himself away, you know, the, the caregiver, always doing for everybody else and never really getting what they need. You know, there are a whole lot of patterns that we get into behaviorally as we try to learn how to cover up our fears and, and feel safe in the world. And, and it's really just about being able to be honest, you know, first with ourselves. Well, wait a minute, this relationship isn't very good. And why am I staying in it? Why am I pushing this? Or, um, you know, um, we, we tell ourselves we're doing a great job when, in fact, we hate our job. Uh, you know, there are so many different ways that we deceive ourselves um, because we, we want to feel like we fit. We want to feel like everything's fine. We want everybody to accept us. And we go so far out of our way to do that that we develop these patterns, and then we always find ourselves in situations that just don't feel very good. So um, once we learn what those are, then we can begin to kind of unravel that and be more authentic with ourselves and everyone else. You mentioned uh, in, in the book about being authentic, and so it's, that's mm-hmm. a perfect uh, segue into that. So just talk about being authentic. Well, you know, we lie to ourselves constantly, Peter. Uh, we all do it. We, we may not realize we're doing it, but if, if we really step back for a minute and had a look, we really do. And, you know, we... we tell ourselves, uh, well, we bury our emotions. We don't show our emotions readily because it doesn't feel safe. Or we, we're afraid we'll be judged or rejected or that people won't love us or, or whatever. I mean, there are a lot of fears behind that. Um, you know, so there, there are just so many ways that that happens. And um, we sooner or later, we, we start to believe the things we tell ourselves. And ultimately, we start to act on that. And pretty soon, we're not living in the truth, you know. Now, I, I was a perfect example of that. I, I was trying to be what I thought successful looked like years and years ago. You know, I was a real estate broker, and um, I had asked my dad one day, what, what, what do I have to do so that you'll really be proud of me? 
and he said, succeed in business, do well. And that's not a very healthy answer for a dad to give, but that's what he knew, you know. And um, so I set out to try and do that. And I, I had, I, you know, I was one of the top brokers in the county. Um, I had a big house, an expensive car, you know. I, I, I had my own office. I thought everything was great. And then over about a two-week period of time, everything fell apart. Everything I knew that my, was my foundation in life no longer existed. And I had to look around. I looked up one day, and I, I, I said, okay, self, what's your part in this? Because nothing, I mean, I was literally sleeping on my friend's couch, working out of my car. You know, it, it just, too many details for an hour show, but it was a mess. And what I realized, long story short, was it was my doing. I hadn't been honest with myself. I didn't even know what I wanted. And I didn't even know what my life could look like if I just did what I wanted to do. And so I looked up and said to nobody, because nobody was there, okay, whatever this is, whoever I am, I accept. And those are really the two most powerful words we can ever, ever use in our lives and really get ourselves on track. And I don't mean say it in your head. I mean say it in your heart and soul and mean it. And stop trying to be anything for anybody except who you are and and what that means. And from that day forward, I did, and all of the people that were negative in my life immediately just disappeared, you know, and I started to meet people that were more like-minded, more positive nature, and long story short, here I am today, and I love what I do, and, um, you know, it, it's it's just a matter of taking charge of your own life by no longer needing to take charge, <laughs> just letting it unfold, because it's a beautiful thing when it does. And how, how does this lack of authenticity within yourself carry over with your interactions with your children? Not you personally, well, with the people. You know, we teach our kids to be the same. Whatever we do, our children absorb like sponges, whether we literally say it or they just learn from our example. And when we're not being authentic with ourselves, when we're, when we're every day doing something we don't want to do, trying to be something that we're not, we're, we're also teaching that to our children. And so we're teaching them to internalize. We're teaching them to blow stuff off that was really important. Or we're teaching them to stay out of conflict. You know, just don't argue about it. Just don't argue about it. Just just go on. Well, there's no resolution in that. I'm not saying argue, but I'm saying if we teach them how to communicate openly, you know, um, and, and we learn to do it in the process, then we start to get a more honest relationship going, and that's what we teach our children. One of the one of the greatest challenges people have is is being open to change. So yeah. let's talk about how we can be prepared to make those changes. Well, you know, we don't like change. <laughs> we will kick and scream and avoid change all day long because it means we get out of our safe zone. And we've we've got this nice, neat little box that we've developed for ourselves, and it's our comfort zone. And we don't like having to step out of it. We don't like having to stretch. And change makes us do that. So we don't usually change unless we've created some sort of chaos that makes us change. Um, but when we when we can really be open to things changing, you know, often our lives will take a different direction or a, a stronger direction. Or um, we can find ourselves um, being offered possibilities by everything around us that we never considered before. 
all we have to do is step out of what I call our comfortable discomfort. <laughs> you know, because we, we're not really always that happy in our little box anyway. You know, so how many people com- complain? Just explain that. Uh, comfortable discomfort, explain that. <laughs> well, we just accept things because we think that's all there is. You know, we, we accept behaviors in other people. We accept situations in our life. We accept our circumstances because we don't know how to go get out of it. But then that becomes a very tightly held safe zone. You know, that's what we know. That's what is. So that's what we do. And so change, uh, you know, in every given moment of our lives, there are opportunities available to us. And we ignore them or we don't even see them because we're so busy trying to control our own little worlds. And we don't, we don't want to change because we know how this is. We know what the rules are. And, and that works for us. Even may, though it may not make us that happy, it works for us, we think. And so we avoid change. And, you know, I always say there's never change without chaos because something, some impetus is going to happen ultimately to make us shift our point of view, shift our circumstances, you know, shift our relationships, our lives, whatever needs to happen for us. Um, and if we can just do that gracefully, uh, we we find that a whole lot more comes to us, and a whole lot of things we never liked in the first place just go away. So, so this uh, is a shift in in our reality in in that sense. Then, so how do we yeah. actually having having been prepared to step out and make a change? How do we actually create the reality we want? Change our mind. It's that simple. Everything that we do, everything that we experience, is based on perception how we see the world, how we see ourselves. So if we want something different, all we have to do is change how we're seeing it. And when we do, everything changes. So it's about shifting our, shifting our perception. Absolutely. And there's been a lot of, a lot of talk about um, uh, the law of attraction and all that sort of s- side of this in terms of creating a new reality. How do mm-hmm. you put into that beliefs? Well, what I say, Peter, is the secret is there is no secret. You know, all, all, of, these, all of these ideas and all, all of these um, abilities and, and all of these possibilities have always been available to us, you know, and they've been made to seem like they're secrets that only mystics can have and, and initiates can have and all of this, but the truth is that we are all infinite beings, and we can create whatever reality we want simply by knowing it is already true. And, you know, there, there's a lot in the book about that, and there's also, um, I put exercises in, in uh, the parenting book that really gives you the idea of how to access that for yourself. I mean, it's, it's a lot to talk about um, on the show, but there's, there are, I, I created some pretty easy exercises that you can do, and then ones that you can also do with your children that helps not only reinforce what you've learned, but helps you teach your children some of these same skills. Because we are so unlimited in what we're capable of and what can come to us, what we can create, uh, if we just know that that's true. You know, from the time we hit air, we're told that we need to do better, try harder, achieve more, find our life purpose. And we think it's a singular achievement to, and one purpose that we have to do in our life when the truth is it's every moment that we exist. So, you know, if we can change to a more intentional perspective of how we act and react, 
um, we find that life becomes a lot more interesting and, and a lot more magical, actually. Absolutely. And one of the nice things about the book is essentially uh, in each of the chapters you're asking the adult to look at themselves to work out their own stuff and then to connect with their children on that really profoundly authentic level so the children themselves can benefit from that relationship in a very powerful way. And that is one of the neat things about the book. You give those nice little uh, activities for the children and parents to do together once the parent has got their own life sorted out at that level. That's great. We're coming yeah, up to our, our, final, our final break, and I'm with uh, Dr. Meg talking about the children of now and parenting the children of now. We have one more section left, and we'll be talking in that time about the relationships in general and how our relationships affect our children. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Experience higher love, an archangelic journey into ascended joy and authentic living. Your hosts, Sri Ram Ka and Kira Ra, will assist you to open your heart, expand your love, and be ever-present with true joy. Your journey with Sri and Kira begins right here on the 7th Wave Network with Higher Love, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tung left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at PeterTongue.com. When you have a stroke, you may not even notice it right away. But then, time passes and the symptoms get worse. One minute you feel fine and the next, your speech could be slurred or not make sense. One side of your body might become numb. You might see double. You drop the TV remote because you can't hold up your arm. That's because after a stroke, every minute you don't get help is another minute that your brain is being starved of oxygen. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face, arm, or leg, sudden trouble seeing, speaking, or understanding. If you experience any of these warning signs, call 911 immediately because time lost is brain lost. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. 
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Hello and welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tung. And today I'm talking with Dr. Meg Blackburn-Losey. And before the break, Dr. Meg, we were talking about parenting the children and how our inner work needs to be done first so that we can reflect those uh, authentic truths back to our children. Let's, uh, let's talk now a little bit about relationships and how, and how they affect our children. Yeah, you know, we teach our kids an, an awful lot by how we choose our relationships and how we act in them and, and you know, and um, I often say that love is really not like a Hallmark card. <laughs> you know, um, we're taught by the media, by songs, by, you know, the cards we give people, different things, that we're not whole without somebody else, whether it's a friendship, a, a romance, you know, a spouse, uh, or, or just even common relations. And we, we're we taught to not be authentic <laughs> just by virtue of, of how things are worded and how they're presented to us and that kind of thing. So we, what we want to do is go uh, go toward our relationships from the point that we are already full and not out of need, but that they're complementary, that we both have something to offer each other to enhance ourselves, not to fill ourselves. That is, I think, the greatest difference. And because we don't often realize that, we teach our children that they got to have somebody else for some other reason, and we teach them inherently to get into relationships that aren't necessarily that good for us. Yes. This what also I want you to talk a little bit about the, in terms of the relationships with the kids. When I was a school principal, uh, mm-hmm. and a particular child would get into some difficulty and trouble in the school, and the parents would then become really defensive, uh, as it, it was as if the parent themselves had, had done whatever it was that the, the, the deed was. So just, just yeah. talk about that a little bit. That, that's a hard one, you know. And I was one of those kind of parents early on, um, <laughs> but, but because I was young and didn't know any better. But you know, we tend to see our children as direct extensions and reflections of ourselves. And that is not a good way to look at it. You know, what we need to do is realize that they are people who have come to this planet who have a journey of their own, and and it's our job to teach them, you know, good skills toward doing that. And um, so we need to realize that they have free will of their own, and they're going to make choices that we either agree with or we don't, or that follow the rules or don't. And just because they do doesn't mean we did anything wrong or we look bad. It just means that the children need a little more guidance, you know. So this thing about being embarrassed about, you know, how our children act or, or, or anything related to that, it's just not okay. Uh, it, it's, it's not a healthy perspective. What we need to do is realize that, okay, what does this child need? You know, what, what can I give this child that will change that behavior that will, or that will um, support it. You know, sometimes when a kid says no, there's a good reason for it. And, and sometimes the rules are really not okay. And so we have to really, as parents, look at the situation from a step backwards and say, okay, wait a minute, what's really going on here? You know, because often we're so anxious 
to follow the rules, to be to to tell the teacher the right thing or the principal or whatever, that we don't notice what's really going on for our child. And and often our child gets the short end of the stick, you know. I can remember one time my son was in the fourth grade and his teacher called me in and right there I knew I was in trouble. You know, and I went, and I just, I was a young parent, I was a single mom, and, and I just like, oh, God, I just had that dread, you know, and I went in, and the teacher slid this paper over in front of me, and she said, do you see what your son's drawing? And I looked down, and um, I immediately saw her perspective, and I was aghast, and I went home, and I started talking. Fortunately, I had a good talking relationship with my son, and I said, what happened? You know, why are you doing that at school? He said, Mom, that's not what I'm drawing. And, in fact, he was practicing trying to draw something else. And because he was just a little kid, it wasn't coming out very well, and it was misunderstood. And had I not given him the opportunity to answer me from his perspective, I would have jumped all over him. So sometimes it's just about being open enough to realize that maybe there's more to what's going on and being mature enough you know, to know that our, we're talking about a kid here. It's not us. We're not in trouble. And um, and see what's really going on. And, and again, it's about listening authentically to the child. Uh, Dr. Yes. Meg, we're coming up very close to the end of the show, and I want to give you the opportunity to talk about one or two of your other projects, which I know includes trips to sacred sites. So just mention those and also your website. Oh, thanks, Peter. My website is um, www.spiritlight.com. That's S-P-I-R-I-T-L-I-T-E.com. And um, one of my passions is to get as many people to as many of the major sacred sites as possible between now and 2012 because, you know, the energies are shifting and changing and reharmonizing so quickly. And every time we go to these sites, we not only bring part of that energy back home with us, we leave part of us there. And um, I've got a really great one coming up in February to Peru. Um, I'm working with my Incan friends there to reignite the solar disk, which is their most sacred object. This is a once-in-millennium ceremony. And um, I, even though my website says no, I did manage to open up a few more um, um, openings for people to come, and then also I have I'm taking a group to Egypt in um, next October, and all of that's on the website at spiritlight.com. So um, I hope to see you at one of those places or both even. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Meg. It's been a fantastic. The, t- the hour has gone by very quickly. Wonderful, uh, in-depth, pithy information. I really appreciate your expertise and your time. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. And to everybody out there, thanks for listening. Thanks so much. So next week, uh, my guest, we are continuing uh, shows through the Christmas season, is Rollin McCratty of the Institute of Heart Math, and he'll be talking about the whole heart-brain communication, consciousness and perception, and touching on the Global Coherence Project. And this is uh, Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Wishing you all a very merry holiday and a prosperous new year. Peter Tung for Awakening.
found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.